Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Of Sharp Lessons, we are Stadium's Sports Betting Podcast. I'm Ben Wittenstein. We've got Michael Rizzo. We've got the Professor Nate Jacobson. And today we're joined by our guest, Michael Monty Montgomery. Monty, how you doing? How is your weekend betting-wise? Uh, it was a good weekend. It's good to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me on, man. Let's get it going. Yeah, we're excited. we got a lot to talk about. We're talking a lot about MLB futures, uh, home run derby coming up, so we got bets for that. Um, but we'll start with the cover of the week, and we'll try to do this at the uh, start of every week. And we had a couple covers of the week this week. And Rizzo, you were the benefactor of both of them with the uh, under 221 in Game 3 uh, for the Bucks and Suns. And as you're wearing the jersey, Italy, the winner of the Euro 2020. Yeah, uh, quickly, I'll start with the NBA. It was... Looking pretty good at halftime. I think we were sitting at 105. People with under tickets were feeling pretty comfortable. And then I believe we had a a 68, 69, almost 70 point third quarter. And all of a sudden, now we needed a miracle. So, and a blowout helps helps unders usually. And uh, it, it held true here. It was getting a little nerve wracking coming down the stretch. The... Uh, the backups come in and they want their shine. Thanasis not wasting any time in the shot clock, trying to take it to the <laughs> hole. And the uh, Jordan Nuara, a Louisville great, hits a big three to put it at 220. I know uh, one of us had that number, so that that's a push. Not good. Yeah. But uh, the uh, Abdel Nader misses a three at the bell, well, a little bit before the bell, and the Bucks hold it the rest of the way. And... Under 221 comes in, under 222 comes in, and uh, most underbackers were able to rejoice. But the big cover of the week, we've talked about it since the beginning of the Euros. <laughs> Italy hoisting the cup. It's uh, it's coming back to Italy. It's not going home, whatever England was saying. It's we coming knew it all along. Coming yeah, Rome. it's going to Rome, exactly. And... Uh, just a great game. England comes out and really kind of shocks Italy and scores that early goal. And it almost looked like for the last 87 minutes, they were playing not to lose after that. And that I thought really that was their downfall. Italy was able to uh, establish possession, get their offense flowing a little bit. And then if you watch that corner, it, it was beautiful. You see two English players just standing and watching as the ball hits off the post. And Benucci, the man who scores the goal, came from outside both of them, crossed in and scored 1-1. We go to PKs, Italy PK Magic. Nate, Me and Nate were texting. Nate knew they had the advantage. Donnarumma steps up. And like we said, Italy hoists the cup. We cash our best bets. Ben and I, we cash a pre-tournament future. It was a... A very fun Sunday in the Rizzo household and uh, across the uh, Italian-American nation. <laughs> the nation. Yeah, and the, and the country of Italy. And uh, we mentioned before the tournament and during the tournament that Italy missed the World Cup in 2018 and how that was a national disaster, basically. And for them to bounce back three years later in Euro 2020, even though we're in 2021 now, is just outstanding and winning the cup in London against England and England's biggest game in 55 years. The aftermath from that, from the England camp, is going to be pretty brutal, as we have already seen some stuff today. Uh, but it was a fun Euro. Learned a lot about betting on soccer, and uh, hopefully we'll co- can uh, bring that to the EPL this year because that's a league I follow but haven't really bet on. And back to that 
under or yeah, the under game three last night. It was kind of the opposite in game two where the over could have been the cover of the week because it was a very low scoring first half. Again, in game two, like game three, high scoring third quarter, a lot of points, a lot of shot making. Um, but in this case, with game two, the Bucks were down by a, a margin that wasn't big enough where they could foul at the end of the game. And they did multiple times, and the three throws got the game over. But in this case, yesterday, it was too big of a margin for the Suns to foul. So it got under. I looked at like the live betting line of six minutes left in the game, and the total was 228. So a real, real uh, big upset that it stayed under the uh, – or pushed, I guess, the closing total of 220. Yeah, I just can't believe we were talking about – Jordan Noara and Abdul Nader in an NBA Finals game, and the fact that they impacted feels like one of March my Madness. It's unbelievable. It's just that's just incredible to me. Uh, but we can start talking about this game four, which is on Wednesday with the Bucks Suns. It's a two-one series. Uh, the Suns still have the lead, but the Bucks did look good, and they look good at home. Um, they have that home crowd behind them, and it looked like they helped them out a little bit. But we can start with Monty, and and how have you been feeling about this series? How has it been betting for you, and what are you looking at ahead in, in Game 4? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely, I, I maybe I'm by myself here, but I was definitely surprised um, to see the Suns kind of come out so flat and, and really just kind of get demolished um, in, in Game 3 in Milwaukee. Um, I definitely was on the Suns side in that game, so that was disappointing. Um and but I think I think I'll be riding the Suns again in Game Four, um, just because you can't expect Devin Booker to go out there and play that bad again. Um, you know I think it's more likely Giannis puts up 40 again, so that's certainly possible, um, or more likely I would say than it is for Booker to go out there and shoot however poorly it was. I don't remember the exact numbers that it was from three. You know, you just, you can't expect him to keep doing that. Um, so, so I think I would go with the Suns. Um, I think I would stay away from the total personally. I just, you know, the, that cover of the week that Rizzo had, that's just too much sweating for me. You know, I don't, I don't want to be doing that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I actually argue the Suns came out pretty well. Uh, they beat expectations of the first quarter. They actually won the first quarter and something that we didn't talk about game three because our last episode was before game two but we've talked about all playoffs teams down 2-0 going home for game three that's usually a really good spot for them to play well especially early first quarter first half and then sometimes the full game and it took a little bit for the bucks to get going but by the second quarter they figured it out and they covered the first half easily and then of course the full game but the suns actually i thought played decent in the first quarter i guess beating market expectation but I guess this was kind of the spot for the Bucs to play well. Uh, the Suns had a lot of role players play well in game two and take them out of their comfortable shooting environment and putting them on the road. Uh, that's going to change. And then just Chris Middleton and, and Drew Holiday playing better because they were pretty awful in game two. Uh, so that was kind of the the spot for the Bucks. And now 2-1 uh, series, game four, they don't have that advantage, I guess, in terms of the the motivation uh, angle or edge. Uh, so, I mean, they do have the motivation, but not as strong as game three. They have an extra day off the Suns to, to kind of acclimate in Milwaukee with the game being on Wednesday, I'm guessing, because the MLB All-Star game is Tuesday. Uh, so I could see the Suns uh, bouncing back. And even though I still think the Bucs could take this seven games and, and win this game, I, with the points and the, and the spread, I, it would be a stay away for me in general. And if, if I had to like just choose blindly, I would I would probably even look at the Suns just because the spread is the exact same it was for game three. But the situation isn't as strong for Milwaukee. This is kind of looking to me like one of those series where whoever steals a road game is going to be the team that takes it. Um, I think that if the Suns do, obviously they have a huge advantage seeing as they, uh, even if we're tied 2-2, that they'll have a home court advantage going back home, 1-1-1. But if the, uh, if the Bucks can take either Game 5 or Game 7, if it gets there, obviously, um, I, I think that the Bucks are right now the value play in the series, still being dogs. Uh, and I, I like them in Game 4 to even things up 2-2. I don't know if I'll lay the 4.5. Um, I'm going to kind of wait and see what happens with that line. We have time, but, uh, for now I am leaning bucks. 
Nate, you can be like me if you don't like a pre-game bet. You can live bet plus 19 and a half for the Suns and then have Jordan Awara <laughs> hit a three under 10 seconds left and uh, lose that bet for you. So that's another option if you don't want to bet before the game. Uh, but one of the, the stats that I actually found was really interesting with the Suns is they are by and far the best team in the NBA at winning after a loss. I think they're 19 and six after a loss, a 76% win percentage after a loss. So this is... If you're going to bet on a team after a loss, it's going to be the Phoenix Suns, and they are the best at coming back, um, even on the road and with how good the Bucks are at home um, and how hyped that crowd is. I do. I think that line, especially at plus four and a half, which they were in game three, uh, I that might be a good spot. And, and that might even move up if people really like the Bucks to, to even up the series. We may see the Suns get to plus five, plus five and a half. I mean, that could be a really interesting number. I think I would yeah. consider hitting it then if it's like plus five. Yeah, especially because Giannis looks looks very good, and and part of the reason the Suns were a bigger favorite in Games One and Game Two is because the uncertainty with him. It looks like he is as full healthy as we would have expected after he went down against the Hawks in that Game Four. So uh, I looked last night in the openers on Sunday night um, after the Game Three win from Milwaukee was Bucks minus three and a half. So they are taking the early money. I could just definitely see it getting to five, and then maybe some some resistance and people bet the Suns um, when they, if they can get a five or a five and a half. Bucks are plus 200 to win the series right now. Are any of you thinking about taking that at all? Uh, well, you could have got them at plus 400 or better before last night. And if you, if you believed in the Bucks uh, this series, you probably would have believed in them last night to bounce back in game three. So I wouldn't bet it now, but I would have definitely uh, the way I would have looked going into last night. If, you still like Milwaukee and, and wanted to just take a flyer. All right. So we got home run derby coming up tonight. We got the all-star game on Tuesday for major league baseball. So we could talk a little bit home run derby tonight uh, because there's a lot of bets to be made for home run derby and a lot of different things to look at um, home run distance winner. There's even detailed bets. Like what hand is the uh, hitter going to be? Is it going to be a righty or a lefty that wins the home run derby? So we can just dive into it and we could start, what, what are you guys thinking for home run derby? What's uh, what are some bets you're looking at? Um, and I know we'll do best bets at the end of the show, but there's pl- plenty of bets to just be keeping your eyes on. On right off the bat, I am excited to see Shohei Otani first of all, and uh, he's just what he's done this year is nothing short of amazing. And now the fact that he's, I feel like it's rare that we get the best players in the derby. Usually, a lot of times it's you get like maybe one or two and then it's a bunch of guys that are just home run hitters that kind of want to be in Coors or wherever, you know, the home run derby may be said year and want to uh, show up and participate in the home run derby. But this year we get Otani, which is awesome. He's leading the league in homers and he's doing things that we've, at least none of us have ever seen done before. And the fact that we get to go out and watch him tonight on the grand stage is just awesome. So uh, that is what I am looking forward to the most. Yeah, I mean, it has to be Otani, just the the storyline. And if you look at the all the I mean, I've been seeing a lot of tweets about how he's getting all the betting action and they're they're moving his line. And because of that, I think there might be some opportunities to bet against him just because there's just a lot of the the reason why this line is being driven uh, up for Otani is just the amount of bets and it's a home run derby. It's like a very kind of it's like a contest. It has nothing to do with actually. I don't know. It's just who's at whoever's best at batting practice, basically, and can get it in a rhythm, especially with the new home run derby format where in the first two rounds, it's a three minute timer. And it's not like it used to be where you had 10 outs and you could take pitches so I think there's a lot of variance and randomness, and I'll be looking in other ways. And actually, we'll sit for the best bet. I'll save it for that, but I'll be looking to fade Otani right away in his first-round matchup. Yeah, I tend to agree with you guys, too. Um, you know, it's just the value's not really there for Otani right now. And especially, you know, I like some of these, these name-the-finalist bets that you got going on because if you want to bet Pete Alonzo, and he seems to kind of be like the – fan favorite at this point outside of Otani um 
and because he won the 2019 derby so you know he's at plus like 420 i think on FanDuel right now plus 450 um which isn't bad i don't think but if you you know he's gonna have to beat otani in the semifinals right based on the bracket so i think if you like alonzo one of the better ways to go and get better values to just name the finalists so you just pick him and, and your favorite guy on the other side of the bracket, right? So if it's Alonzo and Joey Gallo, you're at plus 600 right there. And then Alonzo doesn't have to win. You know, you already won the bet if you just get both finalists, right? So that's one of my favorite ways to go with the Derby and, and just, you know, maybe throw a couple of Alonzo versus Gallo or Alonzo versus Olsen and just kind of get different there with the finalists. I think one fun way to bet this, if you like a player or don't like a player based on how far they you think they're going to progress is betting their uh, they're over under longest home run and feet. So if you see a player who you don't think is going to do well, bet them to go under thinking maybe that they're just going to have less opportunities to get a long home run. It's just less time. So sometimes instead of maybe laying a big price with a favorite, you can just bet the under on the other player to go under their, their home run distance and hope that they only get one opportunity to try to, to try to get it, get it uh, to go over, try to hit a long home run. So I think there's many creative ways to go tonight and not just trying to bet the winner or pick pick the finalist or, or whatever. There's a lot of different ways. And I guess that's the beauty of legalized sports betting um, in the U.S. There's a lot of, you know, criticism about it and books taking, you know, limiting players or there's just a lot of controversy we don't have to get into, but it's nice to have kind of these bets like this for these standalone events where in the past there wasn't much to be offered. Yeah, let's talk about some of the lengths being offered for these longest home runs. As you guys know, it is in Coors, so the altitude, but we got Joey Gallo at 504 and a half feet, Shohei 499 and a half feet, and all the way down the shortest one that you're getting offered is Salvador Perez at 489 and a half feet. So uh, sports books and fans alike are expecting some absolute bombs tonight. So I think uh, from an entertainment standpoint, we're going to we're going to have some fun tonight for sure. Yeah, I would think so, too. I was looking at the longest home runs at Coors Field and they I mean, there's lots over 500 feet, 506, <laughs> 504. Yeah. I mean, the balls fly out of there. So I would imagine, I mean, it's the ideal spot for home run derbies. So for distances, I, w- I would imagine that these distances are probably a little inflated because people know that it's Coors and know that it's Denver and you have the light air up there. But for something like batting practice, home run derby type of thing, you, you may not be wrong to just go over with most of these players, I would imagine. I would, yeah, I was just thinking, I mean, why not just have some fun and hit over on all of them, right? I mean, yeah. you don't want to sweat and under and Coors with home run derby props. Like, that's not fun. <laughs> but so you're, I mean, you're sweating the over, too. It's not like, it's just, but it's a more yeah. fun sweat. I agree. It's a yeah. fun sweat. Yeah, the yeah. under distance. Every home run, you would be just sweating. Right. You would, they would yeah. be horrible. And then I always have also questions get, about the distances too. Sometimes uh, guys hit one and you see where it lands and they're like, that was 498 feet. You're like, no, it wasn't like, I, I just <laughs> saw that. So there might be some home cooking too. You got to be careful. Yeah. yeah. There's probably going to be some that are just going to be like two feet away from these numbers. And it's going to, it's going to look completely different too. It's going to be terrible. Definitely. We also have Derby matchups. Um, if that's an, an avenue people want to play as well, if they don't feel comfortable with distance wise, you can go just matchup by matchup. Um, I, I don't know if anyone has a matchup that they really like. Obviously, with these round one matchups and, and you get the heavy favorites going against underdogs, you might not get a great line. But there's some that that could be relatively close if you really feel confident that Otani's going to win that round one minus 180 might not be a terrible number to take him at. For me, if with these matchups and, and kind of just the high variance and high range of outcomes, I would be looking towards the underdogs um, in most of them. If you like a favorite, don't bet them on the to win the first round. Bet them to make the final or to win the derby. Because if you think they're going to win the first round um, and you're willing to lay or want to lay minus 200, like I'm Pete Alonzo, just bet them to make the final at plus 250 instead. Uh, or if you want... If you like Pete Alonso because you don't like Salvador Perez, do what we mentioned and bet Salvador Perez under or Salvador Perez under longest home run. So 
I wouldn't be laying um, the big price. It's kind of like hockey where it's just like, I mean, they're probably deserved to be favorite, but anything could happen in like a three minute sample size and in uh, batting practice. And you also have to trust the batting practice pitcher. It's not just the uh, yeah. home run hitter, right? I mean, if the batting practice pitcher feels the pressure and uh, maybe isn't that experienced <laughs> with the player or something where the player likes it, that's that's it. So it's not all up to the player. It's it's also up to the batting practice pitcher who probably has never uh, thrown batting practice in front of a, a large crowd um, and the pressure and the, uh, the the limelight from the from the TV broadcast. That's that's a great call, Nate. I, I sh- we do need to look up who's thrown for each player. Yeah. I can't Some remember who checks. it was a couple years ago, but they had you know their father or their brother yeah. throwing for them, and the guy couldn't throw a strike. It was like, <laughs> dude, I know you wanted to, to have this moment with your family, but if you were serious about winning, you would have had your normal batting practice coach out there throwing to you because this guy's throw. And the guy was throwing like two seams, like there was cut action on the ball. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Right. <laughs> I think that's great. I think we got to do background checks on the home run derby pitchers at this point. If you really want to get those bets going, that's that's what you got to do. Um, All star game on Tuesday. We have the National League favored minus one fifteen, the American League minus one hundred five. Um, the total, Monty. I think you said you were surprised a bit by the total up at eleven. Yeah, I know it's Coors, but I mean, and I know there's a lot of great hitters, but there's also just all the best pitchers in the league throwing. So, I, I mean, 11 seems high to me off the bat. Um, you know, I'd probably have to look into some of these pitchers' ground ball rates a little bit more. But even then, like, these guys are throwing one inning, maybe two, you know. So they're not even going to be out there for very long. So, it, I mean, I don't want to go up against any of these pitchers if I'm those hitters either, you know. like So... To me, the initial reaction is an under, but, you know, Fandle has a minus 120, um, which isn't terrible, but, you know, it'd be nice if it wasn't too terrible, uh, it was a little bit better. Um, so maybe, you know, if you can find an alternate total somewhere, it, maybe you can get like 10 and a half and, and get a little bit better price and, and hope for that. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm betting it over with all these pitches, that's for sure. Yeah, you can go under 10 and a half at minus 105. So it's probably going to – that's – I'd imagine where the number ends up closing. You get the Coors field effect, but I, I with Monty, where I look under just because you get pitchers one inning, maybe the starter goes two innings. I'm sure that the game plan will be announced before the uh, game based on what the managers want to do. But I, still, I, I could see hitters just not really giving a full effort. This game doesn't mean anything in terms of the home field advantage in the World Series like it did up until I believe after the 2016 season. So I don't know, are the hitters really going to care or do they just want to kind of be there and, and then get out? And, and the pitchers in that case would have a, a big advantage in my opinion. And this is a semi-serious question, but are the umpires going to be checking for uh, sticky substances for these pitchers <laughs> or are the pitchers going to be like, Hey, this is the God, last I, game of the season. I'll be able to use some of this stuff. God, I hope so. I really hope so. Yeah, they should it, check. They should check. They should. I think they should let it go for this no. for one game. I agree. Yeah, ben. yeah one nothing <laughs> All Star game. That's what the people need. I think that's perfect. Um, are there any other All Star game bets you guys were looking at? I know there's obviously props and stuff. Um, there was like a Derby participant hitting a home run yeah. in the All Star game. Um, the yes is uh, the underdog in that one at plus one seventy five. But is there anything else you you were looking at? No, I think if you want to get bet either event, the home run derby is uh, much more attractive than the all-star game um i mean the under was just kind of the way to look but i i probably won't have any bets on the tuesday night event but definitely will uh make some bets for tonight's home run derby especially with all the different options that are offered so we got the all-star game and then after that we have the second half of the season and there are plenty of lines to go through uh with this one nate for every division um we have bettings people betting who's going to win the division you know, who's going to make uh, the American League pennant, who's going to win the World Series, everything like that, all the futures. So we wanted to take a moment to look at some of these baseball futures. Um, so, Nate, you can start us off with that, what you're looking at, some things you're, you're liking. But there is a lot of bets to be made in the second half of the Major League Baseball season. Yeah, I was just thinking we would go division by division um, and kind of do what we used to do on the uh, payoff pitches show with Rizzo and Monty and our uh, 
good friend Michael Bowling left back in the closet at the 120 uh, or the stadium office and uh, start off with the AL East where the Red Sox are currently a minus one. 10 favorite. They're a huge surprise this year. Their win total going into the year was 80 and a half. So they were expected to be just below 500. I think it's even more surprising. They're at this point, given that they got swept in the opening series at home by the Orioles. I think a lot of people <laughs> are like, wow, it's going to be a long, another long season as Boston after two disappointing seasons after winning the, uh, the world series in was it 2018. So the Red Sox are there, but then there's some trailers. The Rays are up there at plus 175. And then the Yankees, probably the bigger disappointment, a team that had a win total of 95 and a half. They're seven to one to win the division. And I think before the year, they were probably seven to one to win the World Series. And then and then the Blue Jays at 10 to one. And the Blue Jays are an interesting team for me because looking at their run differential, they have a very high run differential where they should probably have another six or seven wins. George Springer has been injured, banged up their prized free agent signing from the Astros. So maybe if he can get healthy for the second half, uh, maybe the Blue Jays could be a team, maybe not to win the division because they're, I believe, eight games back of the Red Sox, but they're only four and a half games back of the second wild card. So there's some some time to maybe get into the playoffs, at least for Toronto. Um, it's, a, it's a fascinating division because I think the Red Sox have exceeded expectations. The Yankees have greatly underachieved what are you guys thoughts on on the al east i like what you said about the blue jays it's just it's tough to decide what to do with them because the red sox have been playing so well and we know the rays are great and they're just going to keep winning games but the blue jays are a team that has been rumored that they will be buyers right now so if you think they make moves that might put them over the top maybe you can look at their uh I know DraftKings has their uh, regular season win total. They're, they're doing second half where you, you could bet on teams' total wins, and that's something that I've been looking at for different teams, and I'll have some later. But um, as far as playoffs go, it, it's tough. No expanded playoffs really hurts the Blue Jays this year because it's tough to see them overtaking either the Rays or whoever's uh, winning in the AL West or in second place in the AL West, I should say, between the Astros and the Athletics down the stretch. Yeah, and going staying with the East here, I'm all about the Rays. You know, for me, the the second half kind of looking at these division winner analysis is all about the schedules, right? Because we know a lot about these teams. We know who should be buyers and sellers. For the Rays, they have barely played the Orioles. They have 13 games left against the Orioles. And, you know, they're better this year than they have in the past, but they're still the worst team in the division. And then they still have 13 games against the Red Sox. So they have plenty of – they're only game and a half back. And if they, you know, win half those games, they stay right in it, and then they win all those games against the Orioles, we're looking at a pretty uh, easy recipe, I would say, for them to, to win the division. So I like the Rays to, you know, bet that plus 155 or 175, wherever you're getting it, um, to win the division there. It's just They only have seven games against the Tigers, you know. So, like, there's so many winnable games on their schedule, it seems like a no-brainer to me to bet the Rays to win that division. That's a good point. My worry would just be the the injury to Tyler Glass now. I know he's been hurt for a while, but I mean that's probably built on the price of Glass now was how healthy they'd probably have a another win or two and and be right there at even odds to win that division. And I like that thing about the schedule. Good stuff there, especially the Orioles who are twenty eight <laughs> and sixty one. Yeah. yeah, which I thought was bad, but then I looked at the bottom and team will get to uh, in the NL West who are worse. But uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> The Rays have been amazing, I guess. Their win total is 85 and a half, and they won the pennant last year, so there is expected regression, and they uh, they have kind of proved the doubters wrong. AL Central, Rizzo, your White Sox, minus 2,000 to win that division. And if you go to most of the games in the second half of the season, I will bet over in their win total, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the White Sox are... Uh an intriguing team in the second half because, you know, as everyone knows, in the end of July, early August, towards September, they're going to be getting a lot of their guys back. Eloy's on a rehab assignment. Luis Robert is supposedly getting close to resuming baseball activities. Yasmani, Yasmani Grandal was given a four to six week window. Um, the only issue is They've even with all these injuries, they've already been playing so well. And that's in part because the AL Central is a pretty 
bad division this year. The Indians have been decimated by injuries. The Twins losing Buxton and just playing poorly overall. And then the Royals and Tigers, who you could actually argue have been better than expected, are both just not very good baseball teams as well. So the White Sox are a hard team to gauge because they're playing a very easy schedule, but at the same time, they're getting their horses back. So it's it's whether you think that they're just going to, you know, they're already 19 games over 500. Are they really going to keep winning at a torrent pace and just blow past 95, maybe even 100 wins? Uh, or do you think that they regress a bit and while these guys come back, they take a little time to get going and the Sox, you know, get a little more conservative with their pitching? Because I really do think they're going to have this division locked up by the end of July. So it's one that I'm staying away from. Obviously, no value at minus 2,000. You can look at their, I think they're projected to finish with 93 and a half wins now, which is over their 90. But as far as the Central goes, it's one where you kind of just, I think you sit back and uh, do nothing and, and wait for the playoffs. I'm sorry, did you say locked up by the end of July? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, think, I don't think he means mathematically locked up. I think it's the fact that the Indians who traded Francisco Lindor for like 50 cents on the dollar might become sellers and there's going to be a 10 game gap. And so, yeah, not mathematically locked yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, I it's see where Rizzo says we're like, there, there won't be another team that will be able to catch them, especially since the Twins, who had a regular season win total of 88 and a half, are com- completely having a disastrous season. Um, and they were supposed to be neck and neck with the White Sox, at least in the, the preseason odds. Yeah, I mean, if that's that's how we're defining that, then I think that's already the case. And I'm, I'm willing to say that. I mean, the Indians are eight games back and everybody else in that division is pretty bad. So, that's, yeah, I don't think there's any way to bet that division unless you maybe want to take the White Sox to win the American League. But we can, we'll get there in the future. Yeah, yeah. I just, as you guys both said, I, I meant it as in like, they'd probably be up by 12 games at the end of July, maybe more. And at that point, no other team is really going to have much of a a fight to catch them. And you do have to account for those six losses with the two series against the Cubs that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Very true. Very true. Six losses right there you have to account for. Um, AL West, Astros ahead by three and a half games right now. They are the favorite to to win that division. Um, The Athletics at plus 400. I mean, do you get is that good value at plus four hundred for the Athletics at this point? Um, but it, it does seem like the Astros are really, you know, they're they're the team to beat at this point. Yeah, I think that if you do like the A's, you can take that plus four hundred. But I think we talked about it on like our first or second show. The Astros were still sitting like plus one twenty five about month and a half, two months ago, and we said then that it was a good bet. Uh, you looked at their run differential. You looked at their their guys and. They just have, I think, the the best team in the AL West. Uh, Bregman is getting closer and closer to returning. Their their pitching staff is, I think, five deep, six deep when Jose Urquidy Ur- comes back, I believe is how you pronounce that. And uh, the, the Astros are just running away with that division, finally, as they should. And I think that we see more of the same in the second half. Yeah, I, I'm on the Astros. I bet them before the season over their regular season win total. I bet them to win the division at plus money. Uh, their actually record is worse than what it's expected to be based on their run differential. MLB.com kind of has a expected run differential based on or the record expected record based on the runs scored and runs allowed. And they're actually playing below that level, their actual record. And the A's are overachieving based on that so the a's are kind of a team i'm going to look to not not fade on kind of game to game basis but maybe look to take like a blue jays to make the playoffs in hopes that the a's kind of fall back because right now the a's are the second wild card team uh and then i guess you have to kind of still consider the angels i mean they're five and a half back at the second wild card spot they can't pitch at all but mike trout's expected to come back um and maybe he has can can carry the angels like he has for for so many years even though they fail to make the playoffs and then the mariners huge surprise and and they're a team that's really overachieved even more than the a's where they are 48 and 43 but their run differential is minus 50 and their win total before the year was 72 and a half so 
it's a nice story in Seattle. They're definitely going to probably go over their win total, but I don't think they're much of a factor. Just they seem like a prime regression candidate, even though they're only three and a half games back of the second wild card um, and the A's. Yeah, I want to bet the Angels so bad because <laughs> because Trout's coming back, but the their division is tough, right? Like you just hit on all the perfect points that the Mariners overachieving and. The Angels just can't pitch, man. It just like they're running out Dylan Bundy. Like, what are we doing? Like, he's not terrible, but like, I don't know. He can't be he's your not an third ace. best. Yeah, he can't yeah. be your third best starter. And Alex Cobb is like, I don't know. Just a lot of these journeymen have just, it's I don't, it's not going to work out for him. But with Trout coming back, it's so it would be so fun and such a good story for them to to make the playoffs finally, especially with everything Otani's doing and and if Trout comes back and puts on this like. MVP level, you know, experience that he always does. And, and then it's like, you know, Otani is probably going to win MVP. And then you've got Trout, who's always there. And Justin Upton, if he's coming back, and, and Anthony Rendon. It's like they've got all these great names. You just can't pitch. It sucks. Um, the A's, you know, I I want to bet them too. But I think, I'm, I think I'm staying with you guys in terms of just laying with the Astros. Um they're just I think they're too good and and I'm I'm kind of glad and this may not be a take that everybody loves but I like that they're still hitting because it just kind of gets rid of the sign stealing controversy right they're getting punished for it they shouldn't have done it but these hitters are backing up their numbers from that season so regardless of what you know whatever happened like they're proving that these guys can just mash so that's been enjoyable for me to see personally just you know I don't want that controversy here so sorry Dodgers but you know, that's the Astros World Series, and, and I think it's their division this year, too. Or they're still cheating. It's possible, oh, but, I, you know, Baker's, we're not here. Dusty Baker would never let that happen. Yeah, look <laughs> at both sides. Um, all right, let's go to the National League, then. The NL East, uh, the Mets in first place with only a plus-nine uh, run differential for the Mets, uh, and they lead uh, the Phillies, who are in second by three-and-a-half games. Minus 300 to win that division. Uh, do you guys like that number? I mean, they're only three and a half ahead um, of the Phillies, who are plus six hundred to win that division. Um, are you comfortable with that minus three? Does that make sense? I, I don't. Think it's a, Go ahead. I think it's a fair number because you know we're looking at teams being buyers and sellers, but the Mets are going to get additions from from injuries. Uh, Carlos Carrasco looks like he's going to be starting soon or be able to pitch soon. And he was the second piece in the Lindor deal and, and Lindor struggled early on and maybe he gets better. And then Noah Syndergaard who's had some issues in his rehab starts looks like a September return for him. So I think the Mets in, in sort of its future plays and the pennant and uh, in the world series, they're definitely a team that's built to win a best of five series with the best pitcher in the, in baseball and the NL MVP favorite Jacob deGrom. So I think that's a fair line, especially just now with the, I don't know, you look at this division, it's so just average. I mean, the Marlins are in last place, but going into the weekend, they had the best run differential um, out of the teams in the division, which is crazy. And and now the Braves lost Ronald Acuna over the weekend. So that could have been maybe a, a team that had high expectations that could make a run in the second half. And now you probably downgrade them quite a bit, um, the, the Atlanta Braves. And then and then the Nationals, who look like they may be returning the corner, they lose that game after being up 8 nothing in San Diego, and, and then they get swept by the Giants. So there's not much excitement really in this division. And with how the NL West is shaping up, where it looks like those top three teams are going to have those division winner and two wildcard spots, I mean, it's probably going to be the division winner as the only one advancing to the playoffs in this division. And, and the Mets make the most sense, not because they're the best team now, but they're going to get some reinforcements uh, throughout the second half of the season. Yeah, one thing that I was looking at to attack this NL East, not the Mets minus 300, but rather I was looking at uh, their regular season wins of 88 and a half. Um, two things that Nate mentioned that I completely agree with is you have to look at teams that are going to be buyers slash gaining additions in the second half and I think the Mets fall in that category because they are rumored to be buyers we know that they've got the money to do what they want if they need to eat a big contract to get a stud whatever they may do and they also have as Nate mentioned guys coming back from injury and then guys like Francisco Lindor and James McCann who you expect to play better than they did in the first half 
And then when you also factor in Ronald Acuna getting hurt and maybe the Braves kind of not being the same threat that we thought they were, uh, the Mets just have to go 47 and 40 in the second half. And uh, I like that. So that's something that I'm going to be looking at. And then the second thing that is just staring at me is the Marlins at 101, 100 to one to win the division. As Nate mentioned, the, the run differential, I mean, it's not great, but they shouldn't be 39 and 50. I love their pitching staff. They're a young team. I mean, you can look at uh, – it's tough to jump four teams. You know, the nine games back isn't as important as jumping four teams. But if they go on a hot two-week stretch, next thing you know, they could be in third place and five games back. And all of a sudden, they're uh, they're thinking that maybe they have a shot. So that might be a flyer that I take the Marlins at 100-1 to to win the division. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It makes sense. I mean, look at it the does. run differential. They sh- their expected win-loss is 47 and 42, which is yeah. the yeah. actually the highest in the in the NL East. I mean, I guess the Braves have a higher run differential, but uh yeah, I mean, if you if you believe in the uh was it the peg ah, I'm not going to say it right. Pacoda or the just the uh any of the the sites. I mean, I don't know, maybe I don't think there's a team that's going to buy those. So that's an issue. But I mean, it's, I think it's worth a shot if they could get hot out of the gates in the uh, second half. Yeah, it's certainly. I mean, it's great odds, right? And their pitching staff is real. So why not? I'm more on the Phillies. Um, I do agree with everything Nate said about the Mets. Um, but their schedule looks tough. They've got two series against the Dodgers. They've got two series against the Giants. That's 12 games that, yeah. you know, they could go – six and six in them and you know all these other teams make up a lot of other ground on them the Phillies pitching staff is good Wheeler's having a great season Nola's having a good season Eflin's you know decent um and their schedule is really just a lot better than the Mets um and they're you know they're only uh what is it six games back or four games back so only only three and a half now they just won two games so So yeah they're definitely striking distance yeah, and a lot. And, of and you mentioned have... Wheeler and Nola, so they do have like the pitchers. It's not mm-hmm. like a, a team that's just trying to hit through the summer. Yeah, and they they, they should be buyers, right? Because they're in position. So maybe they get a, you know some bullpen arms to help out the bullpen, um, or maybe they get another key role player or something. But their schedule the second half to start the season is pretty favorable too. Four games against the Marlins, which is fairly tough. But the Yankees, then they got the Braves that lost to Cunha. Then they have the Nationals and then the Pirates, right? So to close out July, they could certainly go on a nice run there, and then maybe they're maybe they're already tied for the division lead at, at the end of July. So uh, I like the Phillies here. NL Central, which uh, was once the Cubs division, is now the Brewers division, and the Brewers are minus three eighty-five to win the NL Central. It doesn't really look like they uh, will have too much competition. You got the Reds four games back from them right now. Um, but the Brewers just at this point, they look like a really good team. Um, and I mean, I know I'm sure Cubs fans are going to be looking to maybe bet the Cubs. But as we talked about, they're probably going to be sellers at the uh, at the time of the trade deadline. So they're probably going to be out of contention. Cardinals eight games back. Um, and right now you can get them at 14 to one. Um, and that would I mean, if you're talking about teams that aren't favored to win that division, that would probably be the only other team I would look at to possibly make a run. Um, in late July, early August. Yeah, so this division, I have some some preseason bets in this division. I bet the Brewers to win the division at 3-1. to one. I didn't think the Cardinals deserved to be favored. I bet the Brewers over 83.5, and it kind of correlated. I bet the Cardinals under 87.5. So I like where all those bets are heading. Uh, the Brewers actually had a, a bigger lead. They were had a seven-game lead uh, going into the weekend, and then they lost three straight to the Reds. So the Reds now kind of an interesting team. And we talk about teams that have good pitching. I know Luis Castillo has been, been struggling greatly, but he still has, has good form, has shown good form at times and Sonny Gray, solid pitcher. And they do have some, some big bats. So I wouldn't rule out the Reds uh, Cardinals pretty disappointing season. I know they've had a lot of injuries, especially to the starting rotation, but before the year they were like plus 100 or even odds to win the division and their win total was 87 and a half, 86 and a half. So um, I don't know where to go from here. I just root root on the Brewers for my for my betting sake and hope the Cardinals don't have some sort of run 
um, in them, which it looks like they won't, especially because I know a lot of their wins this year at St. Louis have been against teams with losing records. So I would imagine the the division or their schedule gets a little bit tougher. And then the Cubs, um, who are 44 and 46, but just a few weeks ago were 10, five, 10 games over 500. Uh, it all signs point to them being sellers. So I wouldn't be, you know, supporting them in in any sort of bets, um, pro Cubs bets, just because um, if you're if you're we live in Chicago, so we follow the the news closely. It doesn't look like they're they're going to be aggressive like we thought they may have been a few weeks ago. Yeah, this is one where once again I wouldn't take the Brewers minus three eighty five. Uh, actually, something interesting is they come out of the break with three more games against the Reds, so we could really see. <laughs> Wow. A different, yeah, a different number uh, once those three games are completed, depending on what happens. But um, one thing I like with the Brewers, another team that I think is, at least the rumors are, they are going to be buyers. Uh, they are, their win total for the rest of the year is over 88 and a half. And that means they would have to go 36 and 34 in the second half. And that, I, I think that that is something that they can certainly do. Um, so that's the way I will be looking to attack the Brewers. Another team who has, you know, you could argue three of the best pitchers in baseball on any given day when it comes to Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta, the way they've been playing this year. Uh, so that's a team that I like a lot. Um, maybe worth a shot at a 13 to one world series look, because as I mentioned, that pitching staff come postseason, that's one that you wouldn't want to see. Uh, they still have the potential to have a lockdown bullpen. Uh, it's just a team that I think is uh, built pretty solid. It's just whether or not they're going to hit, you know, their offense isn't great. Yelich has been pretty bad, but uh, I think that the Brewers as a team are one that we are going to see uh, make some noise in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I'm I'm a little different. Um, I do like your over 88 and a half or whatever uh, that exact number was. I think that's uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I don't really trust them to hold on to the division. Um, like you said, it's whether or not they can hit. I just don't know if there's enough impact players out there that they can add to really juice that lineup up. Um, so so I'm more on the Reds um, to win the division. Like you said, they have that. Uh, series against the Brewers to start the second half. They've got another one against the Brewers, so they've got six games to try and make up some ground there, but they also have 13 against the Pirates. So a very sort of easy schedule. they got six against the Marlins, three against the Tigers. Like, they've got some bottom feeder division teams that, that they can kind of beat up on. Um, and you mentioned their pitching, and, and their lineup has been really good. Um, so I, I like the Reds at, at plus 400. Um, on FanDuel to win the division. Um, and then uh, one thing I'll say about the Cubs is, yes, I'm a Cubs fan, so let's get that bias out there. But two, their their second-half schedule is great. They've got three games against the Diamondbacks, who are the worst team in baseball. And then they've got four games against the Cardinals, who they're 6-2 and two against this season, right? So they've been beating up on the Cardinals. And then they got another three against the Diamondbacks, okay? So that's 10 very winnable games. If you go, if the Cubs go seven and three, eight and ten, or eight and two in those ten games, maybe they're buyers again. I don't know. I don't really trust Jed to do that. So, so I do think it's kind of safer to just assume they're sellers and write them off. But if you know they finish those ten games pretty well, then maybe we're looking at a completely different story here for the second half of the season. Um, but right now, as it stands, I, I think it's I think the Reds have good value to win the division with their schedule they got upcoming. Yeah, it's interesting because Nate and I, before the show, we were talking about their the Cubs win total, which is at 79 and a half right now. And the over is favored uh, at minus 125. But we were kind of looking at, at least I was, I don't know about you, Nate, but I was looking at the under as as a possible bet just because if they're going to be sellers, I mean, they would, with the math, they would have to win more than half their games in the second half of the season. Seems like if they're going to be sellers, they're probably going to be thinking about losing a lot more of those games. So, I, I mean... If you think that the the easy schedule is going to maybe make them buyers again, that may be an interesting way to hit the over on that 79 and a half too, if that's what people are thinking. Yeah, I guess the the schedule like sequence is in the favor of the Cubs because they, yeah. like Monty said, maybe they don't become full out sellers, which is very possible. You just have to make sure you beat the Diamondbacks in those games. Um, but yeah, no, that's it's definitely something to think about the the schedule and. 
yeah, like if they do start off eight and two, then by July 1st, maybe they just will stand pat or or something where maybe they end up winning about 80 games this season and, and still falling short of falling short of the division. But I mean, before the year, their win total was 79 and a half. So the Cubs, how they're standing is kind of what was expected before the year of them. Um, it just has been kind of a roller coaster way to get there. Finally, NL West Dodgers minus 285 as they lead that division. Giants plus 425 Padres plus 450. And this could definitely be a division with a lot of movement. Um, the Giants are ahead by two games, but the Dodgers are the favorites in that. So they think that obviously the Dodgers are going to be able to take that first place pretty soon. Um, Padres plus 450. Any value in that team with the with the Padres and how well they can hit Slam Diego? No, I think that the Dodgers, it's going to be the Dodgers division. They're going to end up kind of rising to the top. Um, but as I mentioned, this division, very likely to have three playoff teams where we're we're looking at a wild card, one game wild card between two of these teams, maybe San Diego, San Francisco. That'd be a fun one, especially because there's a little bit of a, a rivalry there with just the teams being in, in California. I guess they're all in California. But yeah, I think that it's the Dodgers. Um, they still have the best uh, run differential in all of baseball. Now they've uh, um, atop the the uh, Astros. So I would look towards the the Dodgers still as the team to beat. Uh, probably won't bet it at the number though. I, I won't bet it at the number. Just uh, I wouldn't be betting the Giants or Padres. And then I mean the Giants is a huge surprise. There are 57 wins and their regular season win total was 75 and a half and mentioned there was a really bad team in that division and it's not the Colorado Rockies we all thought would be bad it's the Arizona Diamondbacks 26 and 66 worst run differential in baseball at minus 150 it's unbelievable how bad they are especially because they're over under win total before the year was 74 and a half so it wasn't like expected to be a team that was that even that bad they were supposed to just be below average and and they've 26 wins in the first three months of the year is pretty pretty laughable i was just thinking and this is a it's a tough division to predict the rest of the way i think as we mentioned the dodgers will be uh end up prevailing and winning the nl west it's just what do you do with the giants i mean that you would think that they're going to regress but you look at their run differential and the year they're getting out of some of their pitchers and Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey and Brandon Belt, all these guys are having pretty dang good seasons. And it's just, do you take their second half under? Do you take them under 92 and a half wins? Do you bet them at plus 425 with a two-game lead? But um, I think for me, it's all just a stay away. Uh, I believe seven of their first 15 games coming out of the break is Dodgers versus Giants. So we'll have a, a much better look in a, by the end of July as to how this division is uh, shaping up. Yeah, it's a really tough one to read for sure. Um, I do I do think I kind of lean Dodgers. Um, it sucks that they're favored, even though they're not in first place in the division. But obviously, everybody kind of expects them to do that. And no one seems to understand the Giants, which is just wild. Um but I do, I do kind of like the Padres. They've got 10 games against the Diamondbacks coming up. They've got seven against the Rockies. Those are the two worst teams in the division. So that's, I mean, if they win 15 of those 17 games, right, like that's a very real possibility with how bad those teams are and how good the Padres are. And they've got 10 against the Giants to kind of make up some ground if they need to. So, and, you know, we've seen how competitive they've been against the Dodgers all season. So I think 400 is maybe not the best price, you know, with them being – what is it? Uh, six games back. Yeah. Six games back right now. You know, I'd like it maybe more at plus 500. Um, but I, I think there's value to be had on the Padres for sure. American league pennant, national league pennant world series. We can start with the pennants. Uh, we can just go around. Do you see teams that have value or are you, are you thinking of betting any of these teams? Um, just, we can go around and, and we could say, we Monty, we can start with you. Do you see any one of any team of value for either of these pennants? Do you, uh, are you thinking about it, betting, betting any of these teams at all? Um, I don't know if I'm going to pull the trigger yet. Um, I'll probably wait a little bit more, which will obviously maybe make some of these numbers 
less in my favor. <laughs> um, but, you know, I like having that information. Um, but I do like the Rays. I talked about them. Um, I like them to win their division earlier. They're, I think, like the fourth best odds right now um, to win the American League. Um, you know, I know Nate said they're not, you know, Glass now's hurt, which, you know, is, is a big problem. But at the same time, they've been kind of defying expectations for years. You know, this is what the Rays do. They win when people think they might not. Um, so I like them. I, the A's are interesting. I would not touch the Yankees. I think they're, I mean, the talent's there, but something's not right, you know. So until they figure that out, I'm staying away from them. Um, and then the, the National League, you know, the Padres, again, maybe, or the Giants, you know, not there's not, I don't really see, I think maybe I'm staying away more from the National League than, than anything. I think the, the Phillies. The Phillies, maybe. But wouldn't the pennant, though? Yeah, I like mean. 30 to 1. I, I just think if you like oh. them possibly to sneak into the division, like they won't be 30 to 1 then. Just I think I think with pennant futures now, you're not wanting to bet the favorites. You're trying yeah. to look for a team who for could. Sure find like a, a deeper shot maybe even like the reds if you like them to win the division at 30 to 1 just like a team like that who if they can find a way to win the division uh, maybe the bracket or the path just kind of breaks their way especially if they do add a piece um, before july 31st yeah i think that when it comes to the pennants like nate said if you like one of these top teams i would just wait until we see a playoff you know that their path in the playoffs um as far as these long shots look, I mean, like you guys both identified, the Reds and the Phillies at 30 to 1 are the same as the Indians at 30 to 1, which the Indians are eight games back. And we like the Reds and the Phillies' chances to make the playoffs a hell of a lot more. It's just, you know, are you that scared of the Dodgers? So I think that uh, if you're going to take a long shot, you could definitely do worse than the, the Reds and the Phillies sitting at 30 to 1. But for me, uh, no pennant plays. I, I would much rather wait to see how the uh, who's making the playoffs and who they're playing and what how that path looks then. Yeah, seeing the Yankees at eighteen to one, kind of you know, it catches your eye because they were the the favorites to win the American League before the year, at least co-favorites maybe with the White Sox. But as Monty said, they're just I don't know what to say about them, and I think it's gonna be very hard for them to win their division, which means you get into a one game wild card spot. Sure, you pitch Garrett Cole in that game, and maybe you advance, but then the rest of the rotation is kind of jumbled for the rest of the series against probably a team like the White Sox or the Astros, who will have their rotation set up. So I think you'd want a bigger number on the Yankees, and because they're the Yankees and there's probably a lot of liability from before the year, you're never gonna get a good number. Uh, on the Yankees unless they totally uh, fall apart and if that happens they're not gonna make the playoffs yeah I don't I don't think they're even gonna make the playoffs honestly yeah I don't either yeah the Blue Jays would be the team if you're looking for like a chaser in the AL AL East but at 12 to 1 I I don't think that's good enough for the division when they're they're probably gonna have to get go through the wild card as a as a way to make the playoffs Um, I've seen uh, they're plus 190 to make the playoffs maybe that's something I take a little bit of but uh, yeah, it's just it's it's one of those things where these markets, these division futures, pennant futures, World Series futures, they're open every night, and you, you can bet them whenever you want. So you don't have to lock in a team now, but maybe a team like the Reds who can make a statement right out of the right out of the break with uh, a series against the Brewers, and then the Phillies easy schedule if you if you like what Monty said, who brought some very good stuff when it came to scheduling dynamics today. Yeah. Good job. It's important, man. You know, we, we, we know a lot about these teams now. And so if you, yeah. you got an edge in playing some of these bottom feeders the rest of the season, it can make a big difference. All right. To close things out, the World Series, someone gives you 100 bucks right now, says you have to bet on a World Series winner today. Who are you putting that 100 bucks on? Monty, we can start with you. Oh, man. That's tough. <laughs> Put on the spot. Yeah. Who's going to win the World Series? I you know. Monty's not ready. I can. I search. mean, Rizzo's just gonna say the White Sox. You can have. You can have your. You can have your. You can go ahead. Go ahead. Why would I not say the White Sox when they're basically the <laughs> I same? Know. When they're the same price they were in the beginning of the year, and we know so much more about this team, right? It's it's a lot has to do with whether you assume their guys come back healthy, but if they do, not only are you getting the stacked lineup that you thought you were gonna have. But you're also getting a pitching staff that is now 
with Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, and Carlos Rodon. Those three who have been pretty damn good all year. You have a strong bullpen. There's rumors that they're looking to add relievers and add a second baseman. Uh, eight to one. They were sitting at eight to one or nine to one before the year. If you're giving me a hundred bucks to put on a team right now, they're 19 games over 500. The Twins are out of it. They're minus 2,000 to win their division. I, I think that the the number is not short enough on the White Sox to win the World Series. I think those are some very fair points, um, and and it's definitely uh, a pick that is worthy of your money. Um, I, I I can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I understand. Uh, you, you know, I guess I would probably have to go with uh, the the Astros or the Dodgers. I mean, they're both the favorites. Um, but I think it's for good reason. Um, you know, I would personally, as a fan, hate to see the Dodgers there again. Um, but I, I think it makes sense for for your money. Um, unless you want to take more of a long long shot, then then I think you can. You can go with the Reds or, or you know, the Phillies and, you know, teams we mentioned potentially for the pennant or maybe even the Rays. You know, um, they, you know, obviously lost the Dodgers last year, but, you know, it's possible Glass now could, could maybe come back to the playoffs. Um, and so, you know, that'd be a big boost for them. It's tough for me because I do like the Astros and the, and the White Sox and the AL. I think it'll be one of those two teams. And then and the Brewers are kind of a team I, I latched onto before the year and the three-man pitching rotation they have, I think can do well in the playoffs, but I, I think it has to be the Dodgers. They're just so loaded and deep and they have a deep prospect pool. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were very aggressive buyers, knowing that they are in a prime championship window. And even though they're the shortest price, if someone gave me a hundred dollars, I would, I would just take them because I think three seventy. um, isn't too big of a difference in some of the teams in the 658 to one range, um, especially because I just like the Dodgers path in the NL just just seems like they're very likely to win the pennant and have potentially home field advantage in that uh, playoffs, even though or the World Series, even though that maybe home field doesn't matter as much. Yeah, I'm not as deep into the baseball as you guys, but Rizzo, you made some fair points. I, I'll, I'll put that money on. I'll put that money on the White Sox. All, all good points were made there. My man. Uh, all right, let's do best bets to end out the show. Uh, best bets for today: the All Star Game, Home Run Derby, um, and Monty. You're welcome to make bets for the uh, game four if if you have any. Um, but it is a couple days away, so understandable uh, if not. But um, I guess let's start. Yeah, we can start with Monty as the guest. You go first. Best bets for the next couple days. Thanks, man. Uh, I, I'm going to largely be home run derby here, I think. Um, I think someone we kind of maybe skipped over a little bit earlier was Matt Olson. Um, you know, it, he doesn't play in a lot of ballparks where he has the advantage as a hitter. You know, a lot of ballparks he plays in are more sort of pitchers' parks or neutral. Um, and Coors is obviously the best hitting environment in baseball, and he's – fourth best odds right now to win so I think there's a lot of value on him um and really his side of the bracket is kind of wide open right because Otani and Olsen, Alonzo are on the other side so he you know he's got to beat Joey Gallo um you know assuming they both make it out of the first round um so I like Olsen um or or some maybe you know combine him with some of the finalists so um Alonzo and Olsen or Otani and Olsen if you can't really decide between that um and then any of these uh homer distance i'm taking the over on all the homer distances you know it's it's fun i'm not i'm not sitting here doing any unders so so give me the long balls so you're giving nine best bets on the on the show (laughs) exactly give me give me all we're gonna see a lot i mean they might not i i would be willing to say that at least half of them hit if he goes nine and oh he uh you will be welcome back yeah, he hosts the show by himself next yeah. on Wednesday. <laughs> well, I'm going to be Mr. Contrarian with my best bet and go Juan Soto in his first round matchup over Shohei Otani. I know Soho to, Soto doesn't have the home run numbers this year like he has the ability to, but he has great uh, metrics in terms of whenever it's launch angles. He's able to just absolutely destroy a ball if he can get a hold of it. And I think there's a lot of uncertainty about Otani and he, he's an undeserving favorite for this event in general. And I'm going to just fade him right off the bat and fade him in his first round matchup. So best price available, 
Juan Soto over Shohei Otani in a matchup bet for the home run derby tonight? I'll go, I think I'm going to go Shohei Otani's longest home run over 499 and a half feet. I think his longest home run uh, this season is 470. So adding 30 feet with Coors Field and adding 30 feet with basically batting practice, I feel pretty comfortable about that. It is, I think it's the uh, underdog too. So I think I'm going to take, I'll take the over 499 and a half feet for Shohei Otani's longest home run. Um, That is my one best bet. I uh, I like I like what both you guys are thinking as far as Soto versus Otani as a first round matchup. As a viewer, I'm a little disappointed that that means one of them's going home because I love both of those guys. But uh, Otani hitting a ball 500 feet will be fun for everyone. So Ben, I hope you are successful. Uh, as far <laughs> as mine goes, this is a if I could take Pete Alonso to beat Salvador Perez at a better price, I would. But it's minus 200. So the way I am going to attack this is Salvador Perez under 19 and a half total home runs at minus 105. Like I said, I think that Alonso moves on in this matchup. So I think that means that we will see uh, Salvi hit under 20 home runs. Uh, and then I'm going to give out Joey Gallo at plus 450 to to win it. I like that he dodges Otani and Alonzo, that one of those guys will have to uh, take out the other one in the semis. And uh, as Monty said, if, if Gallo can win his first round matchup, and then I do expect him to play Matt Olson in the semis, uh, if he can get to the final and I'm sitting at plus 450, I will feel pretty good at that point. Uh, Gallo, just a lefty that hits absolute tanks. I looked it up while we were talking. His normal batting practice coach is the one who is throwing to him. So I like that a lot. Um, Joey Gallo, plus 450. The guy I think should be the favorite, but as Nate mentioned, with all this Otani love, it's getting a little overblown. So uh, four and a half to one on Joey Gallo is another one of my best bets. All right. So those are our best bets for today and tomorrow. We will be back on Wednesday to talk NBA game four golf. We have another guest coming on Nate. I know that'll be exciting. Um, so it'll be a, it'll be a fun show. And then we're going to try to have one Friday too. So a three, three week show or three day a week show should be interesting. Should be fun. Monty, we appreciate you joining us. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, good luck to you guys and uh, anybody that's uh, Italian. There you go. Good luck to everyone. And uh, we'll be back and see you all on Wednesday.